The Gospel reading is from Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Are those eighteen who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. Here ends the Gospel reading. We're all part and party to an impatient now culture. It's a culture that can't fathom living in the days when receiving a package could take weeks. I remember when I was a child, waiting week after week, checking the mail every day for some gadget I bought for a few dollars and some cereal box tops to arrive. Today, I'm waiting on a package from overseas to arrive. That will take another week. We want the laptop that boots the fastest. 20 seconds is too long, and our packages delivered overnight for free. We're people who increasingly expect and downright demand a world without waiting. You could argue that waiting is a lost art in today's world, and that as an art form, waiting is an experience best understood by the expectant mother. Expectant parents put that due date on the calendar and wait. The mother goes through all the fun of bearing a child. Morning sickness, weight and water gain, and of course the person in the elevator asking the obvious, You haven't had your baby yet? My first daughter Diana was not born by her due date. I guess she was okay with waiting longer, comfortable in her mother's womb. Then... In the middle of the Christmas pageant rehearsal, Jody's water broke. Not the most convenient time. But that night, we received an extraordinary, beautiful Christmas gift. God does not go by our timetable, even though we think everything in life should be at our convenience. God is not beholden to our obsession with efficiency, our competition with others to improve turnaround time. This is especially true and most vividly illustrated in how God chose to deal with sinful, broken people, with us. That's why today's text is so important. Jesus 
is in the middle of a lesson on repentance. In particular, the importance of Israel, God's people, recognizing their need for Savior lest they experience the judgment of God. In doing so, he offers a parable about an unfruitful fig tree, a tree that in the estimation of its owner has been given more than enough time. But rather than cut it down, Jesus tells of a gracious vine dresser who intercedes for the tree, saying, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig around it and put manure on it. It may seem insignificant, but this one sentence from Jesus is an essential reminder to how God does his most important work, yet often painfully slow, work of changing lives. When examining these words, most people immediately jump to the action. The vine dresser, Jesus, wants to dig and fertilize. In relational terms, we could think of this as the essential components of truth and love. To bring about change, God tills the soil of our hearts and minds with his truth, ripping out the weeds of lies and the old roots of sin and making a way for good things to be planted. God then adds in the fertilizer, or in real terms, love, the truth of the gospel and the promise of his unrelenting compassion in Christ, which serves to enrich our soil, begins to take root and spurs on new growth. Life change takes truth and love. But do not neglect what the vine dresser says first. Let it alone for one more year. There is a third component to life change. It doesn't only take truth. It doesn't only take love. It takes time. Truth, love, and time. A lot of time. Think about it. Tilling soil around a single tree doesn't take forever. Adding fertilizer could be done in a day. Yet the vine dresser asks for an entire year for the new growth to occur. Clearly, this is an essential, irreplaceable part of the process. This means that as members of God's family, we must not only learn how to share God's promise of love and forgiveness, but we must practice and perfect the lost art of waiting. We must learn to wait so that this world can be as fruitful and as beautiful with the work of our God, good God as possible. We must wait with the golden rule in mind. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. We must constantly keep in mind not simply the level of patience God's requiring us to have with others, but first and foremost, the level of patience God has with us. We're each beneficiaries of God's incredible patience and are quick to ask for more as we slip and stumble in this world. When we're tempted to complain that God is taking too long to fix others, let us remember how long God has worked on us and aim to afford them the same luxury. We must also wait with God's goodness in mind. It's tempting to think that what we're waiting on God to accomplish is the most pressing of issues, with no understanding of how a truly good God 
could fail to grant it or tarry one minute. But to do so is to downplay the truly countless number of blessings, each of which is undeserved and an act of utter love and mercy God has already afforded us and continues to give without hesitation. There is an old Jewish proverb that suggests every believer should carry two pieces of paper on him at all times, one in each pocket. The one in the left should say, I am dust and ashes, and the one in the right should read, For me the world was created. The goal of one is to keep us grounded, to remind us that the trouble we're facing is light in comparison to most, and that we might not be as important and deserving of immediacy as we think we are. The other is to remind us that at the very same time, God has given us all of creation to enjoy and all of the blessings it bears. We are loved, we are valued, and we, believe it or not, aren't forgotten. For you the world was created. Maybe even more appropriate one now would be, For me Christ died. We are dust, but we are already immensely, immeasurably blessed, no matter how long what we're waiting for takes to come through. Waiting is inevitable. Sure, we boot our computers and share our data faster, but babies still take nine months. Some packages take weeks to arrive, and God is still giving broken people generous amounts of truth, love, and time. For everything that comes to pass right now, there is something else that remains a not yet. Our existence on this planet is one of waiting. This means if you haven't learned to wait, you haven't learned how to live. May we be a people who afford others the same patience we've received from the Lord. May we hold on to his goodness and not bemoan God's seeming tardiness. May we trust that though we tap our toes impatiently, eventually the fullness of God's promises will come. Until then, we wait. Amen. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still.
his body lay light of the world by darkness slain then bursting forth in glorious day up from the grave he Final breath, Jesus commands my death.